the Rundown with Jess, a podcast for the culture. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. y'all welcome to another episode of rundown with jess i am joined as always by my lovely co-host Brittany taylor and we have a special guest today by the name of tony williams um she went to ut chattanooga with Brittany and i and she also got her master's from strayer university and education if i'm not mistaken and she's also a veteran of the united states marines thank you for your service we appreciate you and all you've done for us um she is an advocate for um black female veterans she's like really into like speaking up for black female veterans um i'm gonna let them i'm gonna let you tell some more about yourself i'm gonna spill all the beans so i'm gonna let you tell us a little bit more about yourself how y'all doing out there and i hope everyone is doing good checking in with family i am queen motivator also known as tony williams um i i am the uh founder of queen motivated llc which is geared toward um, providing resources and tools for the Black woman veteran and her allies. Uh, so basically, uh, what I do on a regular basis, I work for the mayor of D.C. Uh, I work for the mayor's office of veteran affairs. I advocate for veterans in the D.C. area. I also am the public information officer and the liaison for women and LGBTQ veterans. Outside of that, my passion is to continue to be in the community, to educate others about uh, the veteran community, especially the black community, whether it's about compensation and pension, whether it's about um, um, any other type of resources for death, just really basic information that a lot of people just need help navigating toward. So um, I'm, I'm a growing business. Uh, my goal is to just network with other veteran owners owned and operated uh, businesses and come together as different partnerships um, and see how we can f- facilitate ways uh, that veterans can get uh, information and resources that they need within their community, whether homeless, whether a woman of military sexual trauma and things of that nature. Mm. It is so awesome. Like, we appreciate you for doing, and I'm sure a lot of people also in your community, they appreciate what you do and the services that you offer. So with that being said, I know you're in D.C., you're doing it there. Do you have plans on branching out to um, other cities in the Washington area or other states for that fact? Is this like D.C.? So Queen Moderator works with veterans from uh, all around the U.S. Um, Sorry, I did my camera. So Queen Moderator works with uh, veterans uh, within the U.S. period uh, that's uh, transitioning out of the uh, military, uh, that's transitioning out of the military and our veterans. Um, So, yeah. So, yeah, my future goal is to come back to Memphis and partner with other veteran, uh, black veteran owned operated businesses that cater to uh, the community. uh, And I I really just want to butt in on your introduction because Tony and I go way back like summer after my freshman year her and her friend group took me in Tony I remember you did it's summer 07 for me it's summer oh, yeah. 07 for me. 
<laughs> I got my life together and was like, okay, I need to be serious about some stuff. No, but I, I remember vividly being a 18, 19, because I turned 19 that summer, right? Yeah. I was a baby. And if you would have told me you would be who you are today and I would be who I am today, believed you. Um, but I, like I'm somebody's therapist and you're a veteran and we're helping other women, other people like that's insane. But I remember what I love about you the most is some of my darkest days or my hardest times during that period in my life. We've had some really great conversations and you've always been a inspiration to me in some way like you've always been dope pushing the envelope you've never been scared to speak up and speak back and it's something I've always admired about you and I appreciate it about our friendship at that time because you've never been afraid to call anybody out or speak up during injustice so how does that play a part in what you do today I uh, plays a huge part uh in my own healing um so, I, shoot, okay, getting to that, that's deep, um, is I was active duty. Uh, one of the things that I dealt with when I was in uh, and uh, help other uh, women and men with was military sexual trauma. Um, um, I had voice. When I was in the Marine Corps, I was an older uh, Marine. I was 23, 24 going in, right out, fresh out of uh, UTC. and. I always spoke up when I saw people just using people and literally using power and rank to destroy people mentally. Like, I was like, okay, we already in deep in the Marine, like don't add to it. So when I saw a way to advocate, I did. I used to speak up and I became the mama bear in my unit uh, in the Marine Corps, helping people that's been sexually abused um, while they're in uh, and be, uh, uh, abused physically, whether it's from a husband, a boyfriend, or someone they didn't know. So I started to just build from that. And I continued to uh, use my voice when it came to the hairstyles of Black women in the Marine Corps. I had a voice in the orders that were put out for women to wear their locks. Because when I came in, I had locks, and they cut my locks off because they were trying to make an example out of me. Mm. When they did that, I wrote, you know, my, my uh, Senate, my Congress, and, and all that. But I made change while I was in. I continued a pattern. I was very consistent with helping people with learning Marine Corps orders and learning different things to come back and to argue things. Like, I was like, I'm not about to sit up here and just speak because I know I'm going to come from the book. Because then you come from the book and you have knowledge of, of what's around you. It's a better fight. It's an easier fight in a sense because you're like, I've done everything about the book. There's nothing you can do. So that carried over into me be becoming a veteran. There were things that I just didn't know how to heal from. And then once I started going through like the therapy, um, the military offers you like so many ways to chat. There, you know, telehealth, like all these things were introduced uh, to you while you were already in if you took advantage of those things. But they were free resources. And even if you weren't ready to like reveal your deepest, darkest secrets, it was just an outlet because being in the military, I don't care what branch you're in, no one is going to understand how you feel, what you're going through, like that brother or sister that served in the military branch. So you can call all day your family and friends and let them know about your pain. And they not they won't be hearing you because they just don't understand. 
So my advocacy is literally all about me growing as a black woman uh, leader uh, in the military and now out. Uh, having my job at the mayor's office allows me to continue to advocate. Um, having Queen Motivator as a LLC and as a resource allows me to meet uh, different people and understand their different traumas and how, what can I add to Queen Motivator uh, to assist you. So it's really, really helped me with the, I, it's a lot to think about and a, and a lot to kind of just list, but it's really helped me to get where I am. If I didn't speak up for people, if I didn't advocate, if I didn't um, see something, say something, I wouldn't be where I am. Uh, I think so many people assume that when you serve, it's a certain, it's a certain person that look, that look, look apart. There's like a, but when you go into the military, you got your skateboard, your geek, <laughs> your accountant, your lawyer, your bougie, your ratchet. You have a whole community of like people in one world. And the difference between the civilian world and the veteran world is that we know how to operate. We, we see things for what they are. And we keep it moving. So, yeah, so that's a difference. But as far as like continuing to advocate, that's what I do now. I mean, I'm learning. I don't know everything, but I do what I can with with uh, the material that I have. So if someone has an issue or need help with something, I'm I'm the network person. I'm the person. I am the network. Ain't they know? Oh, I need to go here and network. No, I am the network. I can call somebody right now. And if you needed something, link you with that person to get what you need. That's key, because when you said resources and advocacy and research and policy, stuff like that, that's so key. I was literally talking to one of my patients today and the psychiatrist wouldn't prescribe him any more meds, a certain type of meds. And I said, well, did he give you any resources? And he literally replied back, resources. He didn't know what resources meant. Like so many people don't know, like when we say resources, what you have access to. Did he give you any discharge plans? Did he give you any psychiatrist that would prescribe this? Like right. anything that you qualify for, that you're eligible for. People yep. just don't have that information. So I love that. Love that. That is awesome. I have a yeah. question for you, Tony. So like when I was doing my research, so you know, I don't know like a ton about the military. Like I've had family members serving in the military, but as far as, especially for black women, when we look at the society that we live in today, how black women are treated, Breonna Taylor, for example, like her, it's like her life didn't matter. And she hasn't gotten justice and they're doing it for, in my opinion, everything they can to cover up what really happened and not give her family the justice they need so they can properly grieve. Cause I can't imagine what it's been like five, six months now like these, their her family hasn't had a chance to properly grieve. So right. not only having to deal with the things that we have to deal with on a daily basis. I mean, I don't know how much you can speak on or how much you can say, but how does that, what we go through on a daily basis affect on top of being in a military, how black women are treated in the military? Like, <clears throat> so I think the difference from the military uh, life mm -hmm. to civilian life, like I said, again, is definitely we have a whole different system that we rely on for justice. Mm -hmm. We don't rely on the civilians to make our our uh, decisions. Mm -hmm. Decisions are made uh, through court martials or through the UMCJ, which is the uniform code, <clears throat> uniform military code of uh, justice. 
Okay. So if someone commits something or does something, then they have to go be prosecuted by their peers, which are in uniform. Um, when it comes to uh, police brutality and police murdering unarmed Black people, I served during the time that they was doing that. You honestly have to continue to speak up and really educate people and make every moment a teachable moment. Um, you you really, if, if you're being discriminated against in the military, there are so many options that you can go to. They have the EEO now. They have different commands, uh, parts of the commands that you can actually go to and talk to if you're not if you're not trusting your superiors that you're with with their information. So there are a lot more outlets than they were, you know, uh, 15 years ago. You know, 10 years ago. Um, but honestly, the military world is different than the civilian world. A lot of things you can't think about because we have more. We have a mission at hand. We can't be thinking about things outside of that. Mm-hmm. That's why when someone always asks me about like the military and civilian life, I don't think they should ever mix. I don't even think they should coexist. Mm-hmm. I don't think that um, Americans need to be in the military business like that because we run on a totally different mental mindset than a regular person, you know, working a nine to five in a civilian world. Mm-hmm. So how, how did you trans or transition back to civilian life. I've never transitioned back to civilian life. So you still operate in, like, so what am I trying to say? So, you know, when you are in the military, sometimes you go away and you're in the military, right? But then you come back home. So Mm -hmm. like the veterans that come home or military, Navy, whatever, that come home and you might have family or friends that aren't in the military. How do you, are you still in a military mindset, but in a civilian world? No, yeah, yeah. Because basically you just have to learn how to be patient all over again uh, Mm -hmm. because you're not going to understand the verbiage. You're not going to understand how you feel. Like my point that I was making earlier about just, I had to learn that because I, I used to get really agitated when people ask me questions like, why are you asking me that? Why are you saying thank you for your service? Like things like that will agitate me. But I was like, they don't know because the propaganda that they're being given and fed on a regular basis don't even connect with my military journey. So then I have to push back and be like, well, let me take a step back and then educate them on what I can educate them on for for them to understand. So when you're talking about like, I never went back to civilian life. I mean, I, I was a civilian before I joined the military, but I've never went back to that Tony that that you that y'all knew before when it comes to that person. Um, now I've grown into who I am, but the Marine Corps taught me a whole lot more, and we have codes and we have different things like that that we have between our brotherhood and our sisterhood um, that we can talk about verbally together. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm. Uh, what? Did it go out? No, you still here. Um, it said time limit. Huh? I said, it said it reached the time. It just buzzed in. I was like, hold on, what happened? No, no, we're still here. <laughs> Basically, yeah, I don't, for me, I can speak for myself personally and the veterans that I still know to, to this day that I'm in contact with that I still mentor, even active duty. You, you, you just have to, we have to adapt. Like, you just have to adapt. Um, I got diagnosed with adjustment disorder when I got out. You know, I suffer from um, insomnia, depression, and anxiety. And um, 
I'm never, I'm healing and I'm growing and I'm, I'm, I'm using different tools and resources, whether it's like holistic therapy, whether it's getting out and being consistent with an activity that I really like and do, that's what keeps me healthy and not in those places uh, that I know that are dark. Because being in the military, depending on your job, because I'm not, you know, I can't speak for everybody. You have your, you have your moments where you're alone a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Like for real, for real. Like you're around people all the time, but you're alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, I know you, you, so you, I know you mentioned a few moments ago how I guess when you came back, like you never really transitioned back to the civilian lifestyle. And when people ask you questions, you will kind of get irritated, but you started, you know, trying to educate them. So, what advice would you have for other veterans who may be going through that same situation with family members who don't understand, you know, their mindset? Like they might not have transitioned back or they may don't want to transition back to the civilian, I guess, mindset or life. So what advice would you give them to help them, like, I guess, deal with their family members or who may be going through the same situation? I would say pick the family member that you relate to the most or that you, the one that you've always, you know, felt comfortable with and speak to them. But at the same time, uh, sought out other veterans in the community. Hit me up. I'll link you with other veterans. Um, they probably know other veterans where you live from your branch or whatever, if not from your branch. But you can come to Queen Motivator page on Black Woman Thought on that tab and you can you can speak on my blog, literally speak your truth or ask questions and I'll respond back to you. We can start there and build a community if you don't really want to show face uh, with family members and go through the whole traumatic or situation that you don't want to discuss again. But I would say find that person, though, uh, outside of that, find that person that you're comfortable with to speak on things. And then honestly, go to your VA Uh, for the for the women veterans. It's important for us to hit up the VA. I'm one. I hit it up sometimes when I need to for things. But the VA uh, across the U.S. is improving for women's health um, and they really want your voice um, in saying what can be changed. So I definitely start at a healthy place. That's that's definitely the best advice that I can give you. Start at a healthy place and don't be such a critic on yourself. Don't be so hard. Don't think that you're weak because we're so used to holding on, a, holding like literally multitasking and being leaders and constantly being there for people and at the same time being isolated. Mm-hmm. So you're dealing with a person who's able to give, but for how long, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, it is crazy. I had I had a thought today. Um, I think people have to learn, like, you know, you won't, like you said, some people are always there for other people. You know, they want other people to get better. They want other people to heal. But when it starts coming, when it starts coming at a cost to your own mental health, like, that person needs to try to heal on their own. Because I think a lot of times, like, I go to therapy. Or I've been to therapy. Brittany does therapy. You do therapy. We oh, do work. Yeah, so we, we do, we're, we're doing we're doing the actual work of working on ourselves so we can be better, so we continue, continue to be better. But then you have other people out there who they don't want to do the work. I, I want to feed off of the work that you're doing on yourself. I don't want to yeah. do it myself. So now it's like, okay, no, I, I do want you to get better, but you can't get better at the uh, expense of my mental health. Right. You have yeah. to work yourself. So yeah. I have a question because I'm all about educating myself, <laughs> right? So being educated 
but not offended, right? Because I think it's important for us to hear stuff from other people's perspective because you actually lived it and experienced it. And you were saying you used to get annoyed by people saying thank you for your service or things that civilians would say. So what would be your advice to the civilian that may have a family member or friend? So yeah, so I had a whole like little masterclass on this because I created uh, this one sheeter that says like, thank you for your service, but then you rather may want to say thank you for your continued sacrifices Mm -hmm. because these people are constantly going through transition. Like, then when we speak on transition, it's just not out of the military. It's literally transitioning from a community of people that you call family, uh, that you have financially been, um, um, what am I trying to say? Financially been taken care of, housing, all these things. Like you're in an environment where you're taken care of. So you're transitioning from that to literally paying your own bills, paying rent. Mm-hmm. Um, being accountable for the things that you do on a daily basis without being it checked on. Um, getting in your car without worrying about somebody else inspecting it before you hit the road. These are just small things. Wearing clothes. If you don't have a belt with those pants on, then you can, you know, you can get in trouble. So you're you're talking about this person who's been broken down and built right back up to be a machine. So adapting to a culture of people, now that you look at it as just spoiled, like, and ungrateful, because that's how I looked at civilians, and kind of still do sometimes, but, you know, I've grown, um, is, wow, like, you, you, so many people are fighting for your right to walk these streets and, and be nasty, you know, and, you know, you don't care. So it's just, it's a lot to take in when you're seeing the ignorance be, before your eyes that you work so hard to fight for and fighting don't mean I got to get deployed and go fight in Afghanistan and Iraq. It's us over here on garrison side working or uh, working between states or other places deployed overseas that are working to keep uh, the rights and the freedoms of the civilian people. I I fought so that people can protest. You know, I fought so that people can have their opinion and stand tall and be good. I fought uh, to protect those domestic and foreign. I fought to continue to protect the Constitution of the United States, but it doesn't protect me. So how do I loop how do I loop around that and find my purpose when I leave a situation where I where I um where I was good? You know what I'm saying? Like where everything seems so well, but then stepping outside of that wasn't so great. So you're adapting to just a whole new world. Mm-hmm. Damn, like, even as a therapist that's just what everything you just said was so deep to me like the level of awareness that we don't have as civilians like even patients that come see me I redirect them a lot of times to the VA because I know that's not an area I'm fully tapped into and I guess I you know you just don't think about I'm going to speak for myself you don't think about like what you guys wear how you interact, what you're able to do, TV and all this other stuff at your disposal. And this is a whole new life for you guys. And you've already been taken to another level mentally to then be around people who who have like no sense of urgency, no sense of self, no sense of, oh, it's just like willy nilly. And it's just like, so you're telling me I dedicated time and service just to come back and be dumped in a population full of dumbasses? 
But that's real though. And Tony, you said something earlier. You were like, I'm not the Tony y'all knew, but I would argue that you're on another level. But Tony, you always be like this. I'm not surprised that you are saying these things. Like, I feel like it's always been in you. You've always questioned dumb ass people. And like, <laughs> <laughs> and you're right. You're right. It just, I feel like the military probably just elevated you where you needed to be. It was probably a huge stepping stone for your calling or purpose. But this is so you. And it's just stuff that I, as a civilian, wouldn't even think about. Yeah. And what's crazy is that, uh, well, what's real is that I found out that, you know, I'm not overthinking it. You know, there's, you know, there's. There's no right or wrong answer or feeling to like say and do like we're so constructed to be like, well, I want to be able to reach this person and not say too much. I'd be like, man, fuck it. Like, how do you feel right now? And how did that situation make you feel? And you're right, Brittany. You're right. I, I'm definitely still the same Tony in a sense of caring, uh, cool, correct, straightforward, blunt. And I and and I'm not for the you're not for the bullshit me either because I. But that was probably what makes you so good and help the population that you help. <laughs> Being able to be yourself, like, I know people connect to that. That's so awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. When people tell me about it, I'd be like, thanks, you know, I appreciate that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm a superhero to some people. They're like, man, you don't even know how you were there. Like, you, you talked about how I was there for you, Brittany. But if I, if I told you the stories of the women that I took care of and catered to in the Marine Corps as far as made them feel like this is not the only thing that you can do. Like there is better out there. I have a Marine who is a, who literally made a 4.0 every semester undergrad in nursing school right now and vows to cater to the black woman population when she hits, hits the ground running and get her nursing license. And she's Italian American. And she's one of my Marine sisters and she's been through hell and back, but she's a fighter. You know, when you continue to speak up for yourself, you know, and have that confidence and it's genuine, then you know what? The network around you becomes the barrier, becomes that 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 safeguard and that security that you need in so many ways. I can call somebody right now and be like, I need you to fly here right now because we got to handle something important. A Marine would do it. I would do it for another Marine. It's just code. And it's just, that's the type of community that we have built, you know, while I was active duty and still continue to build now. And I don't, I don't have that. And that's and not, nothing to my civilian friends. They're just not equipped with that because they weren't trying for it. And that's cool. But I have that extra layer of protection around me because of that. Uh, because I spoke up. Because I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and tell you every Marine got the protection that they need or every Army, you know, soldier has every protection that they need. It's really about the relationship that you build in the midst of your chaos, in the midst of your, un, you know, and when it's unsavory, when it's don't feel good. Not when it's all chippery and good. Oh, I'm feeling good about myself. I got my people. It's when you're down and everything is dark and you see no up. And then you see a consistency of people that continue to motivate you, that continue to push you, that continue to call you and say, hey, I just wanted to hit you up. I don't know what you're going through. The consistency is what's keeping me through my transition and keeping me healthy and keeping me mindful and keeping me sane. So any veteran out there that feels like they can't make it to tomorrow, 
you can because you've been consistent every day. Any civilian that feel like they can't connect with a veteran because they feel like they don't have the tools or the resources or the training. Yes, you can, because the consistency is going to count. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's not about what you're labeled as and who you are. It's about the consistency. That's what keeps me. Um, and that's what I've seen in my experience with anybody else that's Army, uh, Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard, um, Marine. Consistency. That's what we don't see when we get out of the military. We don't see consistency. That's what fucks us up. I don't care how slow you are, how uh, how you never made it on time, you know, uh, to any place. If somebody was consistent in your life or consistent in doing something, then it made it easier for you to see the world for what it was. And then you get released from all that and go into civilian. You're like, OK. It messes up your psyche a little bit. Mm-hmm. So do you think it's been hard for a lot of people who have transitioned out of the military to adjust back to civilian life? Or do you feel like overall a lot of people have been, they've been, they've been adjusting okay? So um, when it comes to the black woman population, we adjust very well, actually, um, <laughs> because we always find a way to uh, be resilient. We always like, it's a beautiful thing when you see a woman come through the ranks and she's like, yeah, I got this. And, you know, and she good, you know, so women definitely are maybe the, un, the um, unvoiced, but we're the leaders in the military. When we, we, we serve a long time, even when we get out, we continue to be leaders. We own our own, we get, we own our own businesses. We create, we create platforms and we create, uh, 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 how do you say this? When you speak about a black woman, it's just so powerful because I'm one. And when I see them, it's just we create spaces. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. We create spaces. Uh, we are the heartbeats. Uh, we keep things going. So I haven't seen women really take their trauma and just, you know, soak it up and be like, that's, that's all my life is. I've seen them speak up and help others. So I think when it comes to, and then you say, do do military personnel in general, not just women, um, have a hard time transitioning? Yeah, when you have uh, suicides every day from veterans, yeah, there's a hard time uh, transitioning. Uh, Some people don't have fields to where they can get a good paying job or they will continue to educate them where they're at. You have a lot of infantry men who go into the police force. Mm -hmm. A lot of infantry men, they join some type of security. They they feel that's where they're fulfillment at instead of someone saying, well, hey, you could be an instructor. Mm-hmm. You could be a teacher. You can educate people on gun safety. You can educate people on uh, tactical training, like things that people need, things that people need, that civilians can be, that can need, other organizations can utilize. That's not being publicized to certain groups mm-hmm. or certain uh, uh, jobs in the military when they transition out. Um, and that transition out is important because we have a, a transitional program called TACS, and it's a transitional assistance program. And it's geared toward a certain uh, audience, and it's not an audience for every demographic, is what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was reading, I was trying to find it in my notes, but um, when you mentioned how, like, you know, when they, they come back, they're not given these jobs that can help in the community and stuff like that. Um, I know I can't find it in my notes right now, but I guess basically like 
in the military years ago, like they will always give like, you know, African-Americans like the infantry jobs or stuff like that. They weren't given other jobs like, you know, teachers, all this other stuff when they got the military. So, So, yeah. So with that, okay. So that's a little bit complex. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. When you join the military, you have a list of jobs that you can select from. Okay. But if you go on an open contract, you can be put anywhere. Okay. I can't speak for every branch. I'm only speaking from my experience in the Marine Corps for anybody out there. Um, I went in under administrative and legal. Okay. So that was my MOS was 0111. Uh, I'm not going to go down all the things we dealt with because our responsibilities of job, I'm going to sum it up to just think of HR or, or, or legal. Like anything that you need to be signed off in. For me, I, I'm promised an administrative job or some type of job in that field when I get out. For some military personnel who go in, they may go in on an open contract. So they won't know their job until they hit this boot camp, you know, or after that, depending upon like if the job was, was on a waiting list or a security clearance. It, it has a lot of uh, different eligibility requirements and different uh, components to it as well. Okay. When people um, have infantry jobs like that uh, and they're African-American in the Marine Corps, you can uh, lat move. Basically, you can choose different jobs if you test out for it. Mm. Uh, if you're talking about an era when uh, Black people started to serve or be integrated into the military, yes, a lot of jobs, uh, walk, um which is the uh, army, the black women there will all will get the jobs in the mailing uh, unit. And they had to send out all the mail that wasn't being sent out. And I think they were, sta- they were definitely stationed in Europe, uh, all over. I know Paris was one place. There's a lot of other places. Don't get me naming and jack them up. <laughs> Germany. Uh, yeah, it was mm-hmm. Paris, Germany. It was, it was various places. Um, and they would give black people um, sloppy jobs, you know, the cook, when they were actually... Um, qualified for much higher jobs, you know, back in the day. And we can talk like um, World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, Viet- well, we can say, yeah, World War II, Vietnam, Korea. Um, yeah, some jobs. And even even if they were in a position where they were um, um, eligible for that job and, quali- and highly qualified for that job, they would still be treated poorly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, being discriminated against in the military because you're black um, wasn't one of the things that I endured. Okay. I endured being queer, being mm-hmm. identifying as uh, queer, black queer, part of the LGBTQ community. There was a lot of harm toward me in that uh, arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't because I was black. Mm-hmm. Man, I, yeah, because... We talk about the way I hear because I used to do group therapy and I would have vets in my group and the way I would hear them talk about the LGBTQ community, I would be like, like (laughs) very disgusting things that I had to call them on or just the way they talked about it or their thoughts or their own personal beliefs. So what... Well, I'm going to break that down for you because first off, um, majority, uh, you know this, majority of people who are very homophobic have their own traumas. 
Correct. Um, it has nothing to do with, and I hate the whole like the yeah. I hope I, I hate homophobic, homosexual. Those it just sounds so white man Christian slave. It's just, it, I don't know. It just does something to me. But a lot of times. What people don't talk about is that more men are being sexual assaulted in the military. Of course, women have not always served. So who do you think were being sexual assaulted before women served? 100%. So whatever trauma that veteran was speaking on was probably his own, especially in certain, you know, I'm not going to say, I ain't going to repeat where it may be held at, but in some higher population of males, they may have experienced that in part of the hazing. Mm. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. So I think people need to. I think whenever a veteran come at you like that another time, the question that you should be able to ask or ask in your head is, well, what type of you know, who was serving prior to men serving? Because a lot of when I got in, men would be like, oh, now we got a now we got sexual assaults and it's going crazy because women are in. No, it was happening before we joined. It's just shining light that these things are happening. Just like when black people joined, it was shining light. Um, y'all was over here being willy-nilly and doing what y'all want to do. And then you, now you want to put in PT regulations for what? Because black people joined, they were trying to make it harder. Mm-hmm. For black people to stay in. How hard, I, it, well, I ain't going to say how hard. I know it's really hard for um, people to speak up when they are sexually assaulted, especially women. When I think about that, what, was it Texas? Somewhere in Texas, that, that young lady, they found her body. Huh? Vanessa uh, Gillian. Yeah. Probably scared to speak up because this guy is sexually harassing her and she feel like she can't say anything. But then when she decided that she was going to voice her, you know, not her concern, but voice what was going on with her, then he took her life. So, you know, I can imagine how many more women or even men still, but especially women, you know, they're scared to speak up and they have they're having this happen to them every day. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's a lot that I can say on that subject. Uh, I, I definitely don't believe the young man that committed suicide was a perpetrator. I think that it was a group of them mm-hmm. and he's the one that took the, the fall. But um, yeah, four hood command altogether is trash. They've always been trash. Mm-hmm. Um, more army um, soldiers have, has, have come up, uh, did their, uh, in you know decades, this is new to y'all, but this is not new uh, to the military culture. Uh, with covering up for higher-ranking officials who commit these crimes, um, so I've been in that situation with uh, a military, active-duty military personnel, and um, she was shaking in her boots because she was so afraid. She was so afraid that the person that had sexually assaulted her was going to lose his job because he had a family. Mm. So, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, it's sexual assault. It happened. No, it that you destroyed a human being. That person will never be the same ever again. I don't care how much therapy, how much healing. There are certain parts of that person that will never be giving back to them. So, especially with Vanessa Gillian and her family, there are certain, there are, there, there are a lot of answers, there are a lot of questions that will never be answered. Mm. Period. Like I say, military works on a whole, totally different judicial system. 
And it's sad to think, you know, this has been going, especially, I guess, to Fort Hood, like this has been going on for who who knows how long and how long it's going to continue because people, they don't, you know, there's people are scared to speak up. And then those who are covering the ones that are perpetrating, doing all these different things, like just covering for them. And I've seen things get covered up. That's why I got out. That's one of the reasons I got out. Because mm-hmm. I was like, I couldn't be, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. No. So this is what y'all do to people that report things? Just push it on the rug and promote this person? And then send this person to various duty stations to continue these acts? So it's a lot of people who are free, you know, quote unquote, living their best life and not and and these are narcissists. These are these are sociopaths and psychopaths. These aren't people with feelings. You know, these aren't people that literally glance or think about what they've done. These are people that try everything they can to not be looked at as a monster. I've been in a room with plenty of monsters, plenty of monsters. And I think that maybe why that's why I'm not afraid of anything because they're weak, they're small. Um, they don't have an ounce of anything in them left that's human. So there are no feelings there. But all I can say is that those subjects of murder and assault and things like that, it's not alarming to me mm-hmm. because I've seen things be pushed under the rug and not and those people not held accountable, but the victims be ran through the mud mm-hmm. and not given any, any type of resources, you know, just really left in, just left to figure it out on their own. I've seen it. And I can't even imagine having to have sexual assault happen to me. And then I don't have the resources to help myself get better. So now Am I not only hurting from that and I'm suffering from that? Now I don't feel like I have the help to, you know, heal from my pain. And I guess my question is too, like, I'm wondering how are these people, like these people who have these psychotic ideas and psychotic minds, like, you know, are y'all not being screened when y'all joining in the military? They're not doing mental exams. Like, how are you guys bypassing? So so when it comes to like reporting your sexual assault, we have a unit. Uh, uniform Victim Advocate mm-hmm. and UVA. So that person carry, takes the case and you can either excuse me, you can either um, report it what is it? I forgot the two things about reporting. You can report it where it's just private or you can report it to where they can go and charge this person with it. With it. So in the midst of you going through that process that UVA gives you resources that you may need points you in the right direction. Now, when you're in the military, people hold clearances. If you um, hold certain clearances, you can't go get help from behavioral health. You have to disguise your doctor appointment as going to go see a counselor. Mm. Because if you go to behavioral health, they will find you incompetent of doing your job. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I was going to add too with the personality disorders like the narcissistic or antisocial personality disorders are so easy to disguise because personality disorder or people who have personality disorders are typically the most manipulative. Mm-hmm. They know how to wear a mask and they do it well. Mm-hmm. And they're not emotional 
or they lack empathy most of the time. So it doesn't matter. They know how to maneuver to protect themselves. So a lot of times you won't know that that person is like that until it's too late. Yep. Yeah. And you you talked about screening. Yeah, we get screened Mm -hmm. um, before we go in. But like Brittany said, people can manipulate um, the system and do things and say things and answer and and do all the checkpoint, the checklists of whatever they need to do. Um, I mean, they're highly intelligent. They're not dumbasses, you know. Um, they know how to, and that's the thing. One of my biggest things is like, we need to start doing screenings for um, for military personnel when they go to certain places. You know, like, if you're moving to a new duty station or you come back from leave, like, you know, you should be going through a program of, you know, how does it feel to be back? And did you see your family? You know, those type of things. But at the end of the day, the military is on a mission. Mm-hmm. And that mission needs to be completed. Mm-hmm. So and if you got issues and you can't sort that crap out, then there's a door we can write. We can go ahead and help you out the door. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to the whole mental health side of things, you really have to use the, the resources um, that's within your reach. Some people are too afraid to ask. Mm-hmm still so it's really upon that person and upon that leadership that's in front of them if you have a good leadership in front of you you can smooth sir you know you can they will help you navigate ways to where you can continue to keep uh your clearance or keep your leadership or keep whatever title you have or whatever you need and keep you your your uh military career keep going if you have a good leadership that's willing to take out the time and to seek out those resources for you and put you in a place to heal and to get that uh, that training or that uh, therapy or whatever you may need to get to that next level. Now everybody have good leadership. Yeah, y'all in the civilian world, people don't got good leadership. They yeah. come to work late every day, and, <laughs> and and if you got a bad supervisor, they either gonna be like, "Hey, what schedule works better for you?" That's one leader, or you are gonna have one to be like, "You always come over here late." And then next thing you know, you're done. Like now, you know, warning, you walk in jobbing, you like, you like Craig on Friday. <laughs> you got Friday on your off day. Friday <laughs> on your day out. Right. So it, it really just depends. So I, I'm, I, I'm not going to generalize. I, I can generalize, but when it comes to the military, you can't generalize. You can just give a, a, a little bit of something, something to let, get, help you understand. But every branch is different. Mm-hmm. And every uh, leadership is different, mm-hmm. and some people have been done so poorly. They up there in that lead, in that in that good rank, but they want to treat everybody like shit. And they like, I don't give a fuck about you, you know. Like, you got piss poor leaders. I mean, look at look, look, uh, look yeah. at <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus, listen, <laughs> Lord help them. <laughs> now, th- now that's when you pray, Brittany. Okay. Right. <laughs> Listen, ain't no send that prayer all the way up. Listen, all the way up. God gonna send that prayer right back. <laughs> it's already been taken care of. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, okay. So I have a question about like, okay. So when I was reading, so I like to read, but um, I know this is like a while ago, but I feel like this a quote probably does still kind of um 
I guess, applies to today. So I guess like basically in 1925, um, army officers used to say um, that black service members were a class from which they couldn't, could not expect to draw leadership material. So that was like today, like, you know, um, active duty member, military are diverse. But as of today, there are only two senior officers who are black. Charles Brown Jr. is one, and he was only recently appointed the position June 9th of this year. And then it's another guy, I can't think of his name, but um, do you see a lot of, especially like black women holding high rank? Or do you, do you feel like it's been hard, it's hard for women, black women to get that right? Oh yeah, I can answer that quickly. Uh, and no, and yeah. So you don't see that many black women holding general positions because that's what the higher ranking that you're speaking on. When it comes to officer positions, um, I was urged to go officer when I got in enlisted. I was urged, urged, urged uh, to go officer. Uh, and I met all the, the, the black colonel women in the Marine Corps during that time. And um, it literally was like, I think it was like two. And it was the one Colonel, uh, Colonel uh, Cheatham mm. that was trying, he was my uh, commanding officer and headquarters Marine Corps in DC. So he was urging me to sign up because he's like, it's not that many black women and we need y'all, mm. black women officers. So you have to go officer in order, of course, to make general. So I think the Marine Corps just appointed our, one of our high ranking officers. She's a brigadier general. Don't let me jack it up. <laughs> but yeah, she's a brigadier general. We had a white brigadier general woman when I was in uh, uh, brigadier general Rainer. What was her name? Rainer. I'm bad with names. Don't charge to my head, Marines. I'm bad with names. <laughs> um, but she was a white woman. We have never uh, we've we got one black woman general. Mm. There was recently appointed uh, in the past, you know, couple of years, three, three, two to three years. So it's hard to get that rank up. Even with me trying to make corporal, uh, these guys made it hard for me. These, you know, like because they didn't want me to leave. It was like we don't want that bitch to leave. Mm. Mm. Um, she always talked back to us, tell us what we not doing because I'm not do- like you know, this every on my watch. <laughs> but see, you yeah, it's hard for black women to gain a rank um, unless you play the game. And the game, I have words for it, but I'm not going to use them. I don't play the game. I don't do that. But, but you, play, you play the game, you leave a lot of your brothers and sisters behind. That's all I'm going to say. That right there. I, even though civilian, military, I feel like Black women feel that all the time. Like, we always playing the game. And yeah. yeah. We've been playing the game our whole life. We were raised to be a woman and not a young girl because we, we're so we're so perverted. We're, we're, people pervert us before we even know, know what anything is, really. So think about that on a, on, a, on a larger scale and people being threatened by you because they know you can make change. The best leaders I've had have been a diverse group of men mm-hmm. when I was in the military. And the best other group that I had was a small population of women. But the best, yeah, the best group that I had were, were men. The worst leadership I had was from a black woman. Mm. 
Really? Yeah. She tried her best to like, because she felt like I won up her. She wanted to one up me. And I was just like, so this is what we're doing? Crabs in a barrel. But they, we were taught that. We were taught that. that She was a higher ranking, like a higher ranking than me. Why are we like that? Like, why? I mean, I know we ain't like that, but <laughs> like, why? I'm just, why? Let me tell you something. This is, this is an educational teachable moment. Some people don't come from nothing. And guess what? That's what they are through their life. Nothing. <laughs> it don't matter how much money they have. It don't matter how much rank they think they have. It don't matter who they marry, how many kids, they, whatever. Whatever, uh, what do you, I call it a fairytale lifestyle when people just get married, have kids and be like, oh, I'm so happy. Are you really mm-hmm. you miserable with everyone else when you go to work? So what, like your home life must not be that great if you got to come here and bark orders to other people and get a reaction. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yes, because there is a certain point where you still feel like nothing or empty on the inside. You have achieved all these outwardly yeah. goals. Mm-hmm. But you feel nothing in here. And I know that and I can speak that because after I had Haley, I had the worst postpartum anxiety and it continued to the point where I was having panic attacks on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And I got to a point so much, I had got so much into my roles as a wife and a mother. I didn't know who the F Brittany was. Yeah. Somewhere I had got lost in these roles. And I wasn't a happy person to be around. I wasn't happy being around myself. I hated being in our house alone. Because mm. I didn't um, want to be alone with me. Mm. And when we do that, I always say people treat you how they feel on the inside. Mm-hmm. So if yeah. I'm treating other people like trash, I feel like trash. That's an inward thing. So that's so true. I feel that on a, a spiritual level that I really do get right and happy with myself and be, I owe a lot to Brittany before I owe anything to Jordan and Haley. You priority. You're number one. Yes. And you know, that's one thing I have to learn, uh, Brittany, is yeah, you have so many gifts. Yes, you have so many talents. They don't have to be exhausted in one part of your life that you're growing into because you know you crave it you hungry you like I'm out let's do it you know ah, you know beast mode let's do it but then it's like okay I'm drained no one's you know filling my cup uh no one's refilling or recharging me so there comes a point either you're gonna wake up or you're just gonna just become smaller smaller and smaller and then no one wants that person around them <laughs> yeah right. snap off um and you're not, you're just a hollow part of who you really were. It, it, you're, you look like you're doing well, but you're killing yourself on the inside uh, mm-hmm. with doubt, with anxiety, um, with everything that comes with that. And yeah, I had to learn too that things aren't personal. You know, uh, I'm an empath. I'm passionate about things. Uh, yeah, I may be straightforward, but at the end of the day, I'm sensitive. I'm a teddy bear. I'm a lover. Um, but I had to push back a little bit and say, well, what, what do Tony need? Um, so when you asked me earlier, like adapting from military to being a civilian, well, I'm never a civilian, I'm a veteran, <laughs> never a civilian, but loving myself more than 
being there for other people is what needed to change. Um, and, and then I started to see how I can utilize, you know, my military experience until my education, you know, uh, experience as a leader, how that goes. Like all my leadership skills didn't come from the Marine Corps. I was educated before that. I still am educated. So it's like, and my mom and I was raised by a black woman. Like, what more do you what more do you need? So when people ask about like my discipline, my order and all that, I'm like, the Marine Corps didn't do that. My mom, Calponia, did that. That's who made me who I am. So I had to get back to that little girl. I had to get back to little Tony, Tony Denise Williams. And I had to ask her, what is it that I didn't give you? And what is it that you're missing? And that's where I'm back at now in my life. And I'm the most happiest, literally happiness. And I, and that's just a word to describe. I can put it in so many other words, but I feel as though I'm being seen and that I am enough. And that plays into my part in appreciating where I came from and advocate, continue to advocate and have the strength to advocate for other people and not looking at like, oh, I'm a, I'm a black um, woman Marine. Listen to me. It's like, no, nah, I'm a Marine. Mike check my, my check, you know, you know, that gets, that gets people attention, but what keeps them coming and seeing my vision and how I can affect other populations of people outside of the black woman, but still that'd be the foundation of everything because it starts with the black woman. So if you know my pain and you know, it's real and you hear my story and you know, it's real, then maybe we can get a breakthrough in the mental health to where our feelings are definitely uh, validated. You know, and that pain is is uh, put with the physical pain, and a doctor uh, outside of the psychology, the psychotherapist can treat that type of pain, and it be realistic and not be played upon or parallel to a white man's pain. You know, like we can make change by using our voices and speaking up, and not being afraid to say, "Today I don't feel strong." You know, today I don't feel myself. Um, and in the black community, we need to start creating those spaces there. Uh, I think it's vital. I think it's important. Uh, black population is huge with veterans, black veterans who um, have died with no family. There are urns at the VA that are filled with veterans that no family has claimed them. I want to I want to rewrite that narrative. I want to make that change. I want to be able to be an advocate and to help people know where you can bury your veteran, where you can receive those funds to get that, you know, how to go about really being a part of your veteran's life while they're alive now, instead of waiting on what benefits you get when they die. And that's the stories that I hear all the time. This veteran died, what do I get? What did they get when they were alive? You know, like, yeah, we got to we got to do better about our black veteran community. We got to love on them. We got to love on, on us. Yes. We got to love on them like we love on our black men. When they ain't shit. <laughs> yeah, unconditional love. I love my black man. I love y'all. I do. <laughs> but real talk, you know, a black man can piss you off, but you be like, I'm a ride for you because, you know, I got you. We need to have the same energy for our veterans. And, and take our pain seriously. I'm such a strong person that when I, when I have told people that I'm hurting and I'm going through, they don't, they don't care. They think I'm just speaking. They don't, they don't think that I'm actually feeling that way. Mm. But I found out. 
But it's like, listen to my words. I'm telling you, like you're looking at that exterior and you see, oh, I'm this tough person and I don't take crap and I'm going to speak up. But my, like you said, our feelings are valid. Your feelings are valid. Veterans' feelings are valid and people have to like, listen. Don't just right. hear me, listen. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't trump someone else's trauma. You know, I was like, well, today my pain is bigger than yours. Like, no, it's just, I'm not in a good space and we need to be able to normalize when well, you're not in a good space. I got somebody that can help you because I don't have the capacity, but I know somebody that does. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of like rejecting them and saying, well, are you talking to a therapist? Not everybody wants to talk to a therapist. Somebody want to go play flag football and just vent it out. Somebody just want to go play tennis. Somebody just want to read a book. It's just like there are other ways to like get be healthy and get the help that you need without feeling like when you go to somebody that you're being a nuisance, you're being a bother, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think an underestimated question is, well, what do you need? What would be helpful for you? So sometimes we get this one size fits all, I'll say this or give them this, but that person might not need that. That might not be beneficial to what they're struggling with. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest things that I've seen for women um, is that they're in, with transitional facilities or facilities at all that are for women that are homeless with kids. Um, I've seen that there are not a lot of facilities that are equipped or are funded. Even me calling Memphis, Tennessee, the, you know, um, Veteran Affairs Office, they don't even have facilities uh, geared for women. You know, what if I decide I want to go back home? If I go back home, there's no stability for me in Memphis to get the help that I need to the to to my capacity. It may be beneficial to my twin. She's a veteran. She it may be beneficial to her uh, being in Memphis and going back home. You know, but for me, who's who's who needs uh, probably a little bit more or a little bit, you know, like who seek out these things, it, it doesn't do it for me. So a lot of times people are in regions or in rural areas that don't offer things that they may need. And the 1-800 number may not be what they need. Connect them with a church, you know, if they have a a belief system, you know, connect them with organization that's going to cater to them and assist them with financial assistance or rental assistance and things like that. You know, um, when people know that there are possibilities and options out there, then they'll work harder to continue to find them. Mm-hmm. Is what I, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It just amazes me sometimes when you think about like the sacrifices that veterans have made or the people who are still serving in the military that there aren't sometimes, like you said, in Memphis, there, there wouldn't be a place for uh, women, better, black women veterans to go. So you would think there would be places like that. Like look at the sacrifices they've made for this country. You would think it will be something in place already for them. Right. So, and I'm going to say this, D.C. has like the best, the best resources and tools. And when I say resources, I'm talking about, like I just, you know, said, you can get rental assistance, you can get food, you can get um, housing, you know, um, these pathway programs that are created across the U.S., California has them. Mm-hmm. Um, Texas has them. Texas is a huge military state. So I really, honestly, and that's why a lot of military personnel either move to a legalized state where they can utilize recreational marijuana 
for uh, the mental illnesses or they move into an area where the allergies aren't easily affected to where they got a high doctor bill and have to go to the doctor all the time. Like a lot of veterans are definitely uh, out there um, trying to find spots that are conducive to them and their way of life. And I applaud them. And they're, they're post 9-11 veterans like myself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, we, we're innovative. We out here seeking places that's going to help us live longer lives and, for, and be able to see tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, but be able to still be sane, you know, and create, and, uh, create families and create memories. Right. So that's always a good thing, you know, um, seeing us be non-traditional. And go down a road that's less traveled. Mm-hmm. Uh, and no one talks about how you know uh, veteran families are affected mm-hmm. by mental illness uh, from the veteran. You know things pour down, especially you know dealing with PTSD that pours down to your kids. You know, and your kids may need that extra support. You know, how can your kids or your or your husband or your wife or your partner or your spouse, however you identify? How do they regain, you know, uh, the strength and the mental awareness and the training to know how to be a caregiver to you? Well, now they have services that offer that. Mm-hmm. Being a post 9-11 veteran, I, can, I rate to have a caregiver. Mm-hmm. Vietnam veterans don't have that, um, didn't have that come automatically to them. Um, so I, it just, it's certain benefits that are, that are here for us now that wasn't there for our grandfather. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My grandfather. I was going to say my grandfather is what well, was a veteran. He's deceased now. I'm not sure what war he was in. I know he did serve. I don't know where. How old was your grandfather when he passed? Oh, he passed. I was like six. How, do you know how old he was? Because I can tell you what war. I honestly don't. And that's sad. Maybe early 60s, maybe. He was pretty. He was young. So you were six. So he probably he probably did um, World War Two. That's what I feel like my mom said. But you know my timeline for things. I was like, am I reaching back too far? If I say World War Two, yeah, World War Two, where he's and he had PTSD bad, but it trickled. It has trickled down our family line, and it's right. added to our family history and trauma and anxiety and how we communicate. I have a very abuse. All that trickle. Mm-hmm. My mom suffers with substance abuse. We all have anxiety. We're very like trigger happy as it relates to our reactions are so big. Oh yeah. And I, I know somebody <laughs> <laughs> who knows me from back in the day. <laughs> but but you're you're talking about those things is real because when you talk about Asian orange and the contamination of water in Camp Lejeune, how it uh, affected children, um and their mental health or their physical health, internal, all that, these things are true. Um, and that's what the fight is about. It's like, okay, now that we got this veteran home, well, how can we assist, how can we, how can we help them? So that's what the family always asks, like, who can I be in contact with to help me? I say, seek out your uh, veteran service organizations. They have uh, uh, one that's um, a black, there are black veteran organizations. Uh, I, American Red Cross is a small one that I would definitely recommend because they're small. You don't have to worry about um, appointment times and things being crazy and them having like a whole bunch of uh, uh, veterans come in at once. They're very um, 
small, very professional and things like that. But yeah, seek out a veteran service organization. Mm-hmm. First is what I say. Secondly, I would say find out what's in your tri-state area. So if you live in Memphis, find out what's in Nashville. Mm-hmm. You know, find out what's in Clark because Clarksville, there's a base in Clarksville, Army base. So find out what's in Clarksville and what's in Nashville. Like, just seek out, do the work, veterans. And I'm calling you out because people are, don't stop letting civilians do the work for us. Let's do let's do our own work. We're building our own our own entity. We're building our own community when we get out. You know, reach out to me. Uh, if you are some serious stuff, don't be reaching out to me to lollygag, to shoot the shit. Um, if you're serious about some things, hit me up, you know, www.queenmotivator.com, uh, thequeenmotivator at gmail.com. Um, I'm really accessible to email, uh, and on my IG, uh, you can hit me up on the queen motivator, Twitter, queen underscore motivator, but reach out to me. If you're serious about linking up and, uh, forming an allowance with other us uh, veterans and other branches or within your own, but you just want a community, you want some people you can reach out to, reach out to me. I'll help you with that. I don't mind doing that. Uh, any questions you may have, uh, I'll help you with that. After that question, then I'm just have to compensate you for that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> be giving out freebies all the time. <laughs> Hello? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Trying to pay for something. <laughs> I mean, it's it, you know, I, I didn't get this much education and experience in the background just to look cute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Run me my coins. <laughs> on a spiritual level, okay? I mean, we out here trying to change lives, you know, and I think that uh, when it comes to money, I don't do it for that, um, but it's always a bonus, but at the end of the day, I'm trying to grow something. Mm-hmm. Um that we can utilize when I'm dead and gone. So create a legacy for yourself. Yeah. Well, I don't know if Brittany has any more questions or. No, this was, this educated me. This was. Like, I love this. Like this was so yeah. good. <laughs> this going to help well, me. And you, Jessica, and it's always, Jessica, you're such a sweet spirit, girl. Um, <laughs> y'all can hit me up. Literally about anything, um, whatever we talk about, of course, I'm um, do the confidential, you know, thing stays between us. Um, if you got questions about anything that you really, <laughs> you really don't want to sound crazy on, hit me up. Um, there's a lot in my brain. I hope I got out everything that that y'all ask questions to. I hope I answer them because um, I get tied up in so many things that goes. Y'all ask a lot of not vague questions, but there's, there's, it's complex. There's a lot of layers to it. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to speak out of place. Uh, I always want to speak correct, but. Uh, I mean, no, it was helpful. It was great. I yeah. learned so much. Just myself. I'm, I'm hoping. Hey, huh? <laughs> what did you say, Tony? <laughs> is she in the background? Yeah, oh, yes, yeah, she is. Let me mute, Lord. She like <laughs> big girl on hush. I was like, hey. <laughs> Nick is supposed to be in the shower, Chad. <laughs> she said she want to make her cameo. You <laughs> said my business. Let me join this family business. I do think she a YouTuber? She's like randomly. She's like, Mama, can I see your phone to make videos? And she's like, Hi, Google friends. I'm like, Who are your Google friends? Boy. 
<laughs> she's gonna be a star. <laughs> I love the young people, man. They really young people make me so happy. Uh, because I'm like the future is bright. Thank God. We got we got some people coming in like me. So let's go. 80s babies coming back. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Nothing like the 80s babies. Thank you so much. Like this was so um helpful. I hope there is a lot of information that veterans who will listen can get from this. And even if you're not a veteran, um just a civilian listening to this, like something you can take away from it to help veterans out with their transition mm-hmm. back or if they are already transitioned back, like just to be there for them and be a listening ear for them as well. So Tony, do you have any parting remarks? <laughs> All right. I think I close it up with, you know, my contact information. Um, yeah. So queenmotivator.com. Uh, you can email me on that site uh, directly or come to my email. Uh, if you want to download the Wix app, W-I-X, you can be on the go and get real time updates. You can even get on the blog, make comments, add whatever blog you mean, add whatever you want to add to that blog. Because um, that's basically what I created Queen Motivators uh, for. It's a space where Black women and their allies, anybody that align with us and uh, all about their life, can come in and just take a peek and uh, give their uh, speak their uh, speak their noise, have a voice, you know, have a place where they can just come in and chill and buy some merch. Grind matches on there. Uh, Jada Davis is. Uh, I have a collection with. Uh, her, which is grindmatch.com. When you come to Queen Motivator, you'll see the list of the most motivational apparel for Queen Motivator's collection. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. Okay. All right. Well, guys, be sure to check out Tony, the Queen Motivator, the very inspirational. <laughs> Um, and also, if you have any questions, uh, remember to email them to the rundown with Jess at gmail.com. And also check out the rundown with Jess on Instagram. And Brittany, I'll let you share your Instagram so people can check you out as well. Yes, it is Brittany B. No, it's not Brittany. It's Brit, B-R-I-T underscore Taylor 88 for all your mental health and physical health wellness needs because I am a Beachbody coach and a licensed counselor. So we're going to get the mind, body, and spirit together. Listen. Well, thank you both so much. And Tony, we'll be talking to you again soon. I'm a, I'm sure at some point. Oh, yeah. We, I mean, yeah. Motivational every day. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> me working out. I, I, I went from 205 to 187. I'm back at my post-Marine Corps weight. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. I, got, yeah, I, had, I had like literally like, when I, I bulked up when I was in the Marine Corps. Because I got too small. I was like, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I know you. I remember when you was rolling up in this. I see you. I see you been coming back. Oh, yeah. I'm coming back. I'm going to be that 45 year old. You're going to be like, what? (laughs) Me too, because I'm going to be done having kids. If I'm on a cruise ship with a two piece on, my kids just going to have to be embarrassed. (laughs) And that's just going to be it. You're going to be on the ship, so they won't be embarrassed, Brittany. (laughs) Yeah, because I show my mama off. I'd be like, yes, Lord, I'm going to look like that. Great. <laughs> Listen, I'm over here trying. Like I, I, so I've started eating five meals a day, like no snacks, like five meals a day, mm-hmm. and I feel like I need to eat seven. When I say I'm more hungry, and I'm just like somebody send help because I'm gonna eat my whole myself out of the house and home. I do it. I mean, but it's healthy. I I gave up. I I gave up beer. Mm-hmm. 
That was one of the biggest things I gave up. I'm not going back to it. I was like, wow, I like this. Like, I like this feeling uh, in this body. It was like, okay. Because when I was in the Marine Corps, I, I was still like drinking, but we were working out like four times a day. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know how I know we all on the health journey? Because look at all this popping skin. I'm just, <laughs> it's just popping. Like, let me tell you. <laughs> look at it. I drink a gallon a day. Me too. I do too. I switched out my beer for H2O. We got we got the water, water on deck. <laughs> Listen, I said, I'm, I'm just sitting here looking at all of us. I was like, man, our skin is popping. Yeah. That's how stress free too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> for yeah. Real. yeah. Some people ain't here that used to be in, in your life. You know, you got to just. <laughs> Yeah, wow. he's just calm. <laughs> we'll do an episode on that, Cow Cuddy. Hey, we, hey, listen, listen. Cut him off. How do you cut someone off professionally? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, professionally. Like, it should be named that, but it should be like, not like on the job, but like, how do you do that in a mature fashion? Ooh, you know? Man, because it's a lot about ghosting and breadcrumbing. And I'm just like, what about the positive cutoff? Is it? Yeah. Yeah, that, that does that. That needs to be an episode. That really does. <laughs> it took me a while to learn that. When I say a while, I mean to like last year. Yeah, <laughs> you be like that, man. People try you. Yeah, yeah. Well, ladies, I won't hold up hold you up any longer. But this was really nice, very um, inspirational, and very informational. So, Queen, we will be talking to you again soon. And Brittany. Mm-hmm. I said hello, and I like to autograph one day. You know, don't forget about me. <laughs> I'm, I'm her assistant. <laughs> Not I'm bad. You just silly. <laughs> hey, I love y'all, queens. Hey, continue to do what you do because I appreciate you. You do as well. We appreciate you as well. All right, ladies. Bye. Bye. Bye.